Welcome to the Center Ranch Church Weekly Podcast. We believe that faith comes by hearing the Word of God. Thanks so much for checking out the podcast. Here's this week's message. Man, it's so good to be with you this morning, and uh, it's good to have each and every one of you uh, here today. If you are a first-time guest again with us at Center Branch Church, we just want to take a moment and one more time just say how honored that we are to have you as a guest today. Give it up for our guests one more time. Can we do that? Amen. My name is Chad. I'm the executive pastor here at Center Branch Church. Um, we have amazing, amazing lead pastors, senior pastors, and Pastor Luke and Pastor Beth Brueger. Come on, give it up for our senior pastors. And uh, man, listen, if you are a first-time guest, because I always want to give honor where honor is due. Listen, if you're a first-time guest, I want, man, if you're in the area, you live here, you're looking for a local church, probably a little biased, but I think Center Branch Church is the best church in all of West Virginia. And um, we would love to have you to come back again as a second time or a third time guest. We mean it when we, when we say we're honored that you're here and we love you. And I would love for you to come back um, and actually be able to meet our lead pastors, but really give them an opportunity to meet you. And so uh, they're on vacation. They, they take a couple weeks here during the summer months. And so they're obviously getting refreshed and enjoying themselves as a family. Um, and so I just want to invite you to come back. Don't let this be the only time that you're here with us. Uh, but we are glad that you are here. And we are in the midst of a series right now uh, in the book of Acts. And I just love the book of Acts. It's actually one of my favorite books in the entire Bible. Is anybody with me on that one? Did anybody like the book of Acts. There's so many things in the book of Acts, and um, I just love that we're doing this series. I love that we came back to it uh, for the summer. And, um, you know, last week, Pastor Luke did an amazing, an amazing job, didn't he? Didn't he do an amazing job last week? That sermon was so powerful. And I just want to encourage you that, listen, if you missed last Sunday, I want to encourage you to go to our website and listen to last week's sermon because it will change your life. I believe that with all of my heart. I don't just say that to say that. I, I truly mean that. I, that he, it will change your life if you get a hold of the principles of what Pastor Luke talked about last week. But as a quick recap, in case you weren't here, or maybe you were and you've already forgotten, in Acts chapter 17, um, Pastor Luke last week obviously helped, uh, helped us to understand that God has a plan and a purpose for our life. And that um, Acts chapter 17, verse 26 specifically mentions that God appointed the time that we would actually be born and that we would exist. That the plan of God uh, and the purpose of God for our life is exactly uh, what's needed for right now in this moment. Can you say amen to that? He also encourages that the Bible says there in Acts chapter 17 that God fashioned us. You know that you were made by God? You were made on purpose and for a purpose. That God fashioned you that he thought about your life. He didn't just put you together real quick. No, he intentionally thought about your life and he thought about why you would exist and he thought about the plan and the purpose of heaven that he would place upon your life. And then he gifted you. Somebody say, he gifted me. He gifted you. He gave you talents and abilities so that you could actually fulfill the plan and the purpose of God on your life. And then he ended with this, and I love this. He said that there's so much more. Somebody say much more. There's much more that God desires to do in you and for you. How many people believe that today, that God wants to do more in you and for you today? Thank you for those few hands. How about everybody else in the room today? How many people believe that God wants to do more in you and for you today? I believe that. Listen. 
God spoke to us during our 21 days of prayer and fasting at the beginning of this year. And he spoke to Pastor Luke and he said that this year is a year of unusual spiritual progress. I believe that God wants to do supernatural things and he wants to do unusual things in and through our life this year. Amen. And how many people know that this year's not over yet? God's, God's got a lot more room and a lot more space to do some amazing things. And God is on the move right now. And I think that, you know what, we've got to hook up with what God is doing. And I'm excited, man. I, in my spirit, man, I am genuinely excited about um, God wanting to do much more uh, in us and for us. And not just for us individually, but for us corporately. God's got something special for Center Branch Church for the rest of this year. Can somebody say amen? Now, the book of Acts is amazing for a lot of different things. And, you know, I, I love the Apostle Paul. Apostle Paul is my favorite Bible character. Uh, there's just so many things about his life that, that inspire me. And, you know, one thing I love about the book of Acts is that we're talking about the Apostle Paul, like, all the time. And so it helps to give us a good look into uh, Paul's life. And obviously, you know, to me, there's no, no question in my mind as to what Paul's focus in life was about. I mean, obviously, it's very clear through Scripture that Paul was determined to know God and he was determined to tell as many people as possible about Jesus Christ. I mean, the amazing thing when we read the scriptures, we come to, under, we come to understand about his life is that he saw the supernatural power of God at work in people's lives. People were being saved, water baptized. They were being filled with the Holy Spirit. They're being delivered and set free. I mean, God, they're being healed. I mean, God is moving in people's lives as well as he saw miracles firsthand. And his life was all about God. It was all about heaven. It was all about pursuing the plan and the purpose of God on his life. And it wasn't just about the preaching and it wasn't just about, obviously, you know, the miracles and stuff like that. Paul was very intentional, even relationally. I mean, he actually used his life to help disciple believers and raise up leaders and plant churches. I mean, he was engrossed in the ministry. Can you say amen? And so there's so much that we could pull from his life and so many things that could encourage us today. But we also know this, is that not every moment of his life was enjoyable. As we've learned through this series, I mean, the apostle Paul was falsely accused. He was hunted down. He was beaten. He's thrown in prison, right? Obviously, you know, he was opposed and insulted and made fun of on many occasions in his life. But have you noticed this is that no matter what he faced, no matter what he faced, he always remained focused. And not only did he only remain focused on the plan and the purpose of God for his life, he also found solutions to every obstacle that opposed it. I mean, he had every opportunity, if you think about it, he had every opportunity, at least I think this, is that he had every opportunity to throw in the towel and to quit, but he didn't take any. That's encouraging to me. Knowing that God has a plan and a purpose for my life, I don't know about you, but that is encouraging to me, that if Paul could do it, so can I. Somebody say, so can I. And so it's evident, obviously, by looking at this, is that Paul wasn't looking for easy. He was simply just looking to glorify God through his obedience to the plan and the purpose of heaven upon his life. And we know that he did that because in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7, the apostle Paul said this. He says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race and I have remained faithful. 
Today we're in Acts chapter 18, and I'm not going to do an exhaustive discussion of Acts chapter 18 today, but I'm gonna give you a quick overview. And then I believe there's one thing that I want to point out that we're going to touch on, and then I believe that God spoke to me personally and said to create room or to make room today for people to be able to respond to the presence and the word and the power of God. And so we're gonna be obedient to that today, and we're gonna do that here in just a, just a little bit. But in Acts chapter 18, obviously, in, in Acts chapter 17, as Pastor Luke was talking last week, Paul was in Athens, and if you remember about Athens, it was obviously known for its idol worship, and so there was a lot of, kind of, a little bit of discouragement that Paul was already facing there because of all the idol worship and things that were happening there in Athens. But in Acts chapter 18, he leaves Athens, and he goes about 50 miles, he travels about 50 miles to the city of Corinth. And uh, if you know anything about the city of Corinth, it was obviously a pretty large city there in the Roman Empire, and um, it was actually titled or known as the Crossroads. Uh, and the reason why it was known as the Crossroads is because anybody that was traveling to other areas of, of the Roman Empire would generally have to go through Corinth to be able to get to their other destinations. So there was a lot of people that passed through there. But then as well as there was harbors and stuff there, so it was also known for its trade. And so obviously Corinth had the reputation of being wild, almost like Sin City. And the reason why it had that reputation is because of its, mainly because of its sexual immorality and, and a lot of worldliness that was happening there. So obviously Paul comes from Athens where there's all this idol worship, right? And he goes to Corinth and guess what? It doesn't get any better. And so when he goes, he's in the marketplace and he meets Aquila and Priscilla. And um, obviously these are people that he later describes in scripture as becoming friends and fellow workers uh, in the ministry. These are people that actually God divinely connected him with uh, so that they actually became very faithful supporters and servants of the mission and the vision that God had placed in Paul's life. But Paul, for a season, obviously hooks up with them um, because they were tent makers, which means makers of leather, and that's what Paul actually did by trade as well, uh, because the Jews actually had a statement that if you don't teach your son a trade, you teach him to be a thief. And so obviously, uh, you know, Paul, the apostle Paul was very responsible. And so he, he worked with them for a little while. He hooked up with them. But on, on the Sabbath, he was in the synagogue. While he's with them, while he's working with them on the Sabbath, he's actually in the synagogue and he's actually preaching about Jesus to all of the Jews and all of the Greeks. And he's seeing Jews and he's seeing Greeks obviously respond to the gospel and get saved and all these types of things. Well, Silas and, and Timothy come from Macedonia, and by the time they come from Macedonia, Paul's now fully engrossed, I mean, going after this thing of preaching uh, to the Jews and everybody else, um, you know, the gospel. But at this point, now the Jews are turning again on him. They've done it before, but they're now turning on him. The Bible says that the Jews begin to oppose him and actually insult him. And so what Paul does is he decides, you know what, I'm done with this. And he leaves the synagogue and he goes right next door to the home of a gentleman by the name of Titus Justice, who is actually a believer. And he begins to preach now to uh, the Gentiles. He shifts his focus over to the Gentiles <clears throat> from the Jews and he begins to preach to them. And the Bible tells us that uh, Crispus, who is the actual leader of the synagogue, believed the message that Paul was actually speaking and that his entire household believed, and that even some Corinthians believed. And so obviously these people all get saved, they get water baptized. And so Paul's having some success here with the Gentiles, but he's feeling all this opposition and insult from the Jews. And so a lot of the, the, the Bible scholars actually say that Paul was 
discouraged by that. And that not only was he discouraged by that, that he was actually fearful a little bit for his own life because of the fact that, you know, the Jews were starting to not just oppose him, but they were insulting him. One, one, one translation actually says they were reviling against him. That now takes it to another level. This isn't just one or two people. This is a massive group of people that are like-minded that simply hate what Paul stands for. And not only do they hate what Paul stands for, they hate the message that Paul is pro- proclaiming. Why? Because it, it, it was not politically correct. It, it opposed all of their, their laws. It made them uncomfortable. And so obviously they begin to oppose him. And as a result of that, God appears to Paul in a vision. And this is where I want us to focus on for just a little bit today is this vision, because I believe that there's something in this vision that stood out to me this week that the Lord highlighted to me and wanted me to talk about today, because there's something that's found in this vision that I believe is the source of Paul's success, and it's the same source for mine and your success as well. Amen? So I want us to look here at Acts chapter 18 and look at verse nine and 10, and I'm gonna read it from the Amplified Classic Version. And it says, and one night the Lord said to Paul in a vision, have no fear, but speak and do not keep silent. Somebody say, do not keep silent. Again, we've gotta remember this, is that in this moment, Paul had already been opposed and he'd already been threatened and everything else in Thessalonica. So when all this starts stirring up now in Corinth, the devil's trying to get him into fear, trying to get him to be fearful that guess what, another attack is coming. And so obviously there's some things that are going on in Paul's mind, there's things that are going on in Paul's life, and this is more than just a natural attack, this was a spiritual attack. This was, this was demonic, are you with me? Because notice here that they were trying to silence him. Because God says to him, do not fear, but speak and do not keep silent. You've heard the term cancel culture? Guess what? That's not just for today. There was cancel culture that was happening in Paul's day. See, the devil devil has the same tricks. He has nothing new up his sleeve. John chapter 10, 10 says he comes to still kill and destroy. There's nothing good in the enemy. There's nothing good in the devil. And the devil knows this is that if he can shut you up, he can shut you down. And so that's what he was trying to do right here to the apostle Paul is he was trying to take his voice from him. Does that sound like anything happening in our culture today? And so God says, have no fear, but speak and do not keep silent. But look what he says next. He says, for I am with you and no man shall assault you or harm you for I have many people in this city. Notice the words here for I am with you. This speaks of God's presence. It speaks of God's presence. Now, this wasn't new to Paul. Paul knew that God was with him. But it's almost like for a moment, for just a moment, He needed a reminder. He needed a reminder that he was not alone in this pursuit of following God's plan and purpose for his life. And when God spoke these words, I am with you, 
It was the answer, it was the encouragement, and it was the empowerment that Paul needed to keep moving forward. It's, all, it's as though those words shifted something, caused a divine shift to happen on the inside of the apostle Paul. Did you know that one word from God spoken in the right moment in your life can cause there to be a divine shift? Let me ask you that question one more time because I'm not so sure that everybody heard that. Do you know that one word spoken in the right moment by God can cause there to be a divine shift in your life? When Paul heard these words, when he had this encounter with the presence of God, something shifted down on the inside of him. Whatever, whatever thoughts he had of fear, whatever thoughts he had of, of, of not speaking anymore, whatever thoughts he had of leaving the, the city, all of a sudden just seems to vanish with these words. They begin to vanish with these words. Somebody say God's presence. In Exodus chapter 33, verse 15, Moses told God, if you don't personally go with us, don't make us leave this place. You see, Moses understood and he knew that without God's presence, it was useless for him to try to attempt anything. He knew that apart from God's presence, he wasn't anything. Why? Because it's the presence of God that makes us effective. It's the presence of God, watch this, that distinguishes us. And it's the presence of God that separates us from non-believers in the world. Without the presence of God, we're nothing. But how many people know today that we've got the presence of God? We've got the presence of God by the person of who? The Holy Spirit that lives on the inside of us. If you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, guess what? You've got not only the infilling, you've got the indwelling of the Holy Spirit on your life. The Holy Spirit is the presence of God. But Moses was a smart man because he said, God, if you don't go with me, don't send us from here. I'm not going anywhere that you don't go. Because he understood this, that the presence of God was his success. He believed this so much that look what he said to the Israelites in Deuteronomy 31.6. He says, be strong and courageous and firm and fear not, nor be in terror before them, for it is the Lord your God who goes with you and he will not fail you, nor will he forsake you. I love what the New Living Translation actually says. The latter part of that, it says, for the Lord your God will personally, somebody say personally. See, this is a personal thing. That the Lord your God, say my God. The Lord your God will personally go ahead of you. You don't have to fear. When you know that you've got a plan and a purpose of God on your life, guess what? You do not have to fear living that plan and purpose out. You can silence the noise and silence all the voices that are around you and that oppose you because God is with you. If God be for you, who can be against you? I love that. I love that. But notice here, the Lord your God will personally go ahead of you. You know, there's something about the presence of a father that brings confidence and security. I've got two children. 
I love being a dad. I love being a father. And there's been many times, I mean, many times that I've been in a situation with my own kids where they have been afraid to do something. Whether it's maybe riding the bike for the first time or maybe going somewhere where it's dark and there's no lights. And they come over and they say, Dad, will you come with me? Why? Because the presence of a father brings confidence and security. But notice that New Living Translation says that God will go before you. See, God goes before you. He goes behind you. He goes all around you. He goes with you. He's the end from the beginning. He's already been there. And I love that because there's been times even in my own kids' lives as a natural father that instead of maybe me grabbing their hand and going with them, there's been times that I've actually gone before them and they've just followed me and, and, and then my presence going before them has given them the confidence that they need. Somebody say the presence of God is everything. The presence of God can cause a divine shift to happen in your life today. Just one touch, just one word. That's all that's needed. I mean, we have so many different scriptures in the Bible that we could talk about regarding this. And I have a few that I have thought about. In Mark chapter five, you've got obviously the, the man that was possessed by a demon. Just one encounter with Jesus and he was set free and in his right mind. In Mark chapter 10, you've got the story of blind Bartimaeus. And I almost feel bad for even calling him blind because how many people know that he's not blind anymore? <laughs> he's healed. <laughs> but you got the story of blind Bartimaeus and just one moment in Jesus's presence and his eyesight was restored. In John chapter eight, you've got the woman that was caught in adultery. Could you imagine all the shame? Could you imagine the guilt? Could you imagine the embarrassment as she's standing in front of Jesus and she's standing in front of all of her accusers who have stones in their hand ready to throw at her? Can you imagine what she's feeling in that moment? And one breath from Jesus to forgive her caused everything to vanish. Just one moment in the presence of God, just one word from God can cause there to be a divine shift in your life. You know, last week, Pastor Luke mentioned a statement, and that statement, I wrote it down, and man, it's, it's really stood out to me all week, Pastor David, all week, this, this statement has stood out to me. And he made this statement, he said that Christians need to be sensitive to their spirit. Christians need to be sensitive to their spirit. And I believe that with all of my heart. I believe that, listen, that more than ever before, we have got to be people that know how to hear the voice of God, be led by the Holy Spirit. Are you with me? That we've got to be very sensitive even to the presence of God and what God is wanting to do in our midst. And there's a lot of different things that I could probably talk about today. And there's a lot of different things that I could probably say like, hey, this is how you get, you know, sensitive, you know, to your spirit and so forth. But we don't have time to cover all of that or talk about all that. But I will say this that the primary way that a believer gets sensitive to the spirit is by cultivating a hunger and a thirst for God's presence. By cultivating a hunger and a thirst for God's presence. You know, isn't it true that 
the more that we eat something that we enjoy, the more that we want it. Has anybody done that before? Here lately, I've been on an ice cream kick. It's not good, guys. It's not good. Kroger's ice cream. Cherry amaretto. It's really good. But you know what happens is that when we eat something that we really enjoy, guess what? We want more of it. All of a sudden, it seems like we desire it more and that there's a taste for it more. How many people know that that's the same thing when it comes to our hunger for the presence of God? The more that we pursue him, the more that we spend time with him, the more that we desire to be in his presence. Look at these scriptures with me for just a moment. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse six, it says, but without faith, it's impossible to please God and to be satisfactory to him. For whoever comes near to God must necessarily believe that God exists and that he is the rewarder of those who earnestly and diligently seek him out. Notice here that it says that he's a rewarder of those who earnestly and diligently seek him out. You know, one of the greatest ways that God rewards us when we seek him is with his presence. More than anything else that God could do for us, the greatest thing that we could ever experience that he could give us is his presence. When you seek him out, he rewards you with his presence. In Deuteronomy 4.29, it says, you will seek and inquire for and require as necessity. Notice here is that seeking God should be a necessity to you and I as a believer. That you seek the Lord your God and you will find him if you truly seek him out with all of your heart, your mind, your soul, and your life. Somebody say your life. I mean, that's every part of you. That leaves no part out of who you are that we are to eagerly pursue and consistently and diligently pursue God with everything that we are. And Matthew 5, 6 says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. You know, when you hunger and thirst for righteousness, you hunger and thirst for the one who is righteous. You go after the one who is righteous because he's the one who gives you your righteousness. When you hunger and thirst for righteousness, you're hungering and thirsting for the one that is righteous. You know, I've learned in my life <clears throat> that God fills our hunger and he satisfies our desire. But I've also come to learn this, and if you're taking notes, I highly encourage you to write this down. I've also come to learn this, is that our desire follows our attention. Our desire follows our attention. If we actually give our attention primarily to natural things, then our spiritual hunger begins to fade. But the opposite is actually true as well, is that we, if we give our focus and our attention primarily to seeking God through his word, through prayer, through worship, through attending church, through serving in church, and so on and so forth, guess what? Our hunger and desire for God actually increases. You know, one thing I think that we have to be really cautious of and really careful of as believers is that the longer that we're saved, 
that we don't get to a place that we become familiar with God's presence. Because when we get familiar with God's presence, then we stop expecting God to change us. And I've watched this happen in people's lives. I've seen this happen in people's lives where they're passionate, they're hungry for church, they're hungry for God, they're in the word, they're in prayer, they're in worship, they're serving in church. I mean, they're going after the things of God. And then all of a sudden, it just seems like they can be in the middle of God moving and they're not even aware of it. They're not even responding to it. It's almost as though that they've stopped releasing their faith because they're comfortable where they are or maybe they've even come to a certain thought in their mind that you know what? This is the best there is. This is just the way it is. It's never gonna change. It's always gonna just be like this. So, you know, I was able to take some students to Ecuador some years back on a mission trip. And we were down there for over two weeks and three days of those two weeks that we were there, we went into the small village and we did a three night revival. Well, obviously I was one of the speakers uh, on one of those nights and they decided that they wanted to launch the first night being more of a, a youth night. And so obviously we're, we're in this little village and we're in this building and I mean, they packed it out. I mean, kids everywhere, teenagers everywhere, moms and dads everywhere. I mean, it was packed out and we've got our team of, of students there. And uh, I preached that night and when I was done, we opened up the altar and we obviously had people come forward to be prayed for and to be ministered to. And I just released our, our teenagers, man. I released our team and, and I just sat back at first. I wasn't even praying for anybody. I, wasn't, I was just sitting back. I was enjoying watching our teenagers pray for people and, and, and young people and everything else. And I was enjoying the presence of God. The presence of God was so strong that night in, in the room. And I don't know if you sense it right now, but the presence of God is here right now too. And so while the kids are praying, I'm just sitting back and I'm just watching, I'm just observing, I'm just enjoying the presence of God. And I happened to look over to the side of the stage. It was actually this side, kind of where Des is at. Wave at everybody, Des, there you go. And I see this little boy that's standing over there and he's got his hands raised and he's got his eyes closed. And I was just like, man, this kid is like, he is just focused on God. He is focused on the presence of God that's in the room right now. And I remember just thinking to myself, how precious is this, that this little boy is just so caught up right now in the presence of God. But then all of a sudden my attention shifted from that and I noticed that he had glasses on his face. Eyeglasses, obviously. And so I thought to myself, well, nobody's praying for him. And so I'll go over and I'll pray for him. And I'll lay my hands on him and let's believe God, you know, that, that God heals his eyes. And so I go over there and when I come up to him, of course, he's got his eyes closed. He's, he's got his hands raised and he's completely, completely focused on God. And I, I, I take my, my hands and I, I put them over over his eyes, over his glasses. And you know, one would actually think that if you're so caught up in the presence of God and you got your eyes closed and you're not even aware of your surrounding, that the moment that somebody touches you, it'd probably startle you, right? And you'd probably open up your eyes. Well, not this boy. This boy was so consumed 
but the presence of God. He was so focused. He was so determined that there was gonna be a divine shift in his life that night. And so what happened is I prayed for him and when I'm done praying for him, I just, you know, obviously walked away. And it was a few moments later, all of a sudden I hear this lady screaming, like, like really loud, like kind of like screaming. And, then, and, and everybody's still praying, you know, the students are still praying and everything else. And I'm thinking, what's going on? You know, so I go over and I ask the interpreter because obviously I don't speak Spanish, if you didn't know that. And so I asked the interpreter, I'm like, hey, what's going on here? Like, what, what's, what's happening? Why is this lady screaming? And, and, and they're like, well, that's the boy's mom. And I'm like, okay, well, why is she screaming? They're like, well, well, he's healed, he's healed, he's healed. And I thought to myself, like, what? Like, he's healed? Like, how, how does she know that, that he's healed? I mean, he still got his glasses on. At this point, he'd opened his eyes, but I mean, he had his glasses on. So I'm thinking, how, how does she even know he's healed? And so I asked the interpreter to kind of ask and see what was going on and come to find out the mom said, he's healed. No, you don't understand. You don't understand. He was born severely cross-eyed. And I said, what? I said, he was? And so I go over and I look at the boy and the boy's eyes are perfectly straight. I mean, perfectly straight. They're not cross-eyed at all. They're perfectly straight. So she had seen this and start shouting and start praising and everything else. Well, then I thought to myself, well, my goodness, if that's the case, then he's healed and he doesn't need these glasses. So we take the glasses off. And of course, I'm over here doing one and two and three and, you know, all this type of stuff. And, you know, can you see me? And how many fingers am I holding up? And all that type of stuff. And he could see. I mean, it was awesome. But you know, one thing I found out later, and this is, this is really why I wanted to say this story to you, is I found out later that this was, this was something that ran in their family. And it was something that they had just come to accept. They were believers. They believed in God. They believed in the power of God, but it was just something that they just came to accept. This is just who we are. This, this, is, this is his life. So-and-so and his family had it, so he's got it too. But thank God for the response of that little boy. That little boy, that little boy was not gonna be denied a divine shift in his life that night. And do you know what did it? Yeah, it was the presence of God that did it. He gets all the glory but it was also his response to the presence of God. The presence of God demands a response. If we truly honor God and we truly honor his presence, we will respond to his presence. We won't just ignore his presence. We won't just walk into a church service where the presence of God is and leave unchanged. It's not just something that we do to cross off our little Christian box and things like that. No, God comes and he wants you to meet him, but he also wants to meet you. He wants his presence and he wants his word and he wants his power to make a divine shift. Listen, I don't know what you're facing today. It could be fear. It could be failure. It could be heartache. It could be strongholds in your mind. It could be lies that you've believed that other people have said about your life. It could be sickness in your body. I don't know what it is that you're facing today, but I do know this is that the presence of God is in this place today. And if you will respond to the presence of God, 
there could be a divine shift in your life. You may be in this place today and you don't even have a relationship with God. You've never surrendered your heart to him. You don't know what it is to have a true father that loves you, that believes in you, that wants to be with you. But you could respond today and there could be a divine shift in your life. You know, there was a time in my life where I struggled with fear. I was in ministry and I struggled with fear. There was a time in my life where I was in ministry and I struggled with failure. I felt like I couldn't be good enough. I felt like everything that I did was a failure and I just was never gonna live up to expectation. And sadly to say, and I'll be honest with you, I accepted it. At one point in my life, I just accepted, this is, this is just me. I'm just never gonna be good enough. And I remember that one day the Lord spoke to me and he said, the problem with you is that your focus is on you and not on me. The Lord began to deal with me and he said, put your attention and put your focus on my presence. And so I went to a meeting, Marilyn Hickey, if anybody knows who Marilyn Hickey is, if not, it's okay. But I went to a meeting up in Apopka, Florida, where Marilyn Hickey was a guest speaker. And there was a time in my life where I was really dwelling on the presence of God and God was really wanting to change something on the inside of me. He was wanting to shift something on the inside of me that I was struggling with and even accepting in my own life because I was agreeing with it. Listen, what you agree to, you empower. I was empowering it because I was agreeing with it. And God was wanting to get my attention off of that and agree with him so that I could empower him to work in my life. And so I'm sitting in this Marilyn Hickey uh, uh, meeting. I'm on the second row and the presence of God was so strong in the room. I mean, tangible. And I remember sitting there and almost zoning her out. She's preaching, nothing you know, spectacular is really happening in the moment. She's preaching, which is spectacular. I'm just saying that no one's running around the room and she's not laying hands on anybody. No one's being prophesied to or anything like that. I'm sitting there and I feel the presence of God. And I thought to myself, you know what? I'm going to respond to the presence of God and I am not going to be a failure anymore. And it was almost as though that I did that on the inside, that she walks right over, kind of like walking right here. And she looks right past the person on the front row and she locks eyes with me. She looks dead into my eyes. I don't know her, she don't know me. She looks dead in my eyes and she says, a failure is not a failure unless you haven't learned from your mistakes. My response to his presence set me up for an opportunity for his word to cause a divine shift in my life. I've never struggled with failure since. The enemy tries, but guess what? I don't give in to it. Why? Because I know that I'm not a failure. 
I had to shift my mindset and change that I am not accepting this. Listen, I don't know what it is that you're empowering today. I don't know what it is that you're accepting today, but God wants to cause a divine shift in your life. There are answers that you've been believing God for that he wants to provide you today. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of healing. Today is the day of deliverance. Today is the day for a breakthrough in your life. Does anybody believe that this morning? But it takes a faith-filled response. And Luke chapter five, and I'm almost done, and we're gonna open the altars here in just a moment. But in Luke chapter five, we know that we had that story of the paralyzed man who had some amazing friends. The Bible tells us that Jesus is present, that the word is present, he's teaching, and that the power of the Lord was present to heal. But only one person benefited from it. Why? Because of the response. Only one person responded in faith to what was available in that moment. You know, going back to the vision that Paul had in Acts chapter 18, I don't know about you, but I had this thought this week. I am so grateful that Paul responded to the presence and the word of God in the moment. He was discouraged, trying to be silenced, was thinking about leaving the city. But those words shifted something. The presence of God shifted something on the inside of him and it changed all of that around. The Bible tells us when we go to read more about, about that story in, in Acts chapter 18, it says that instead of him being silent and instead of him actually leaving the city, that Paul actually remains in Corinth for 18 more months, for another year and a half, preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. People are saved. People are being delivered. Things are happening by the power of God. Let me tell you, I guarantee you, those people are thankful that, that Paul responded. And I believe the same is true for your life today. There's more that God wants to do in you and there's more that God wants to do for you. But let me just tell you, tell you this real quick. Is that you've got to allow God to change you. You've got to allow God to change you. Because what you allowed God to do on the inside of you determines what God's able to do through you for other people. I believe that God wants to restore things to people today. I believe that. I had this in the first service. I'm going to call it out again. But if, you're, if, you, if you've been struggling with headaches, migraine headaches or headaches at all, I want you to stand to your feet, please. Stand to your feet, please. Everybody across this room, lift your hands, please, to heaven. We're gonna believe God with these people right now. The presence of God and the power of God is in this room right now. For those of you that are standing, I want your full attention on his presence. I want your full attention on God, not on me. And I want you right now to begin to respond in faith 
that the power of God is available right now in this moment to bring divine healing in your body. Father, in Jesus' name, I release healing now to their bodies. I command there to be a divine shift. I command everything that's causing these headaches and these migraines to stop in their maneuvers and cease in their operations in Jesus' name. I declare that by the stripes of Jesus, they are the healed of the Lord. Holy Spirit, I thank you for ministering the life and the power of God to their bodies right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Well, that's this week's message. Thanks for joining us. To stay connected with us throughout the week, make sure you follow us on Instagram and Facebook. You can also watch previous week's services on our YouTube page.